doing a party. Today's episode is brought to you by Baba G DIY Edible Kits. Stop overpaying for your marijuana edibles at these shops where it's, what is it, like a 30% tax? Huge markup. Got to grease all these palms, all these middlemen. Screw that. Get Go to OregonBaba.com. Buy yourself a candy mix or some candy molds. And uh, assuming you have some, I don't know, THC oil, CBD oil, whatever it is you want to mix with it, you can make your very own homemade delicious edibles. And you can you can make it to your own strength. So, again, check them out at OregonBaba.com. And uh, one more time, OregonBaba.com. We're also brought to you by Octane Inc. Octane Inc. specializes in vehicle wraps, snowmobile wraps, custom apparel, and race car lettering. With a deep history in motorsports and the love for anything fast, Octane Inc. has quickly become the Midwest's premier one-stop shop. I tried to say fast. Did it sound like I said fast? Or did it sound like a cat? Anyway, anything you want customized with your business logo, or maybe you got a personal monogram, look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants. Uh, They can make it happen. Visit OctaneIncLLC.com today or find them on any social media platform. Again, that's Octane, I-N-K-L-L-C dot com. On to the podcast. Welcome to episode 41 of the Hey, Okay, Ha, Happy Hour. I'm your host, M.P. Snyders. You can call me Matt. You can call me Matthew. You can call me Paul. You can call me Pauline. You can call me Market Price, Member of Parliament, Military Police, uh, Al. Call me Al if you're my bodyguard. How you guys been? How you guys doing? Are you doing well? You got your drink like I do for the happy hour? That's what we do. If you're joining us, if you've somehow stumbled onto this podcast for some, I don't know why you would. God knows Apple and Spotify aren't going to shove it in front of your face. Hey guys, you got to listen to this podcast. This is very important for you. Apple does not say. Spotify will not utter. But thanks for listening anyway. Uh, but if you're just joining us, that's what we do. We, we drink. It's basically the most one-sided conversation uh, you could have. And uh, slash an, I don't know, an audio diary? Is this basically an audio diary that I'm publishing every week? I think I, I, think I might have mentioned this last week. Um, documenting this crazy time we live in. What a time to be alive. So, so drink up. My drink today is uh, is an iced coffee. Probably the last day I'll drink an iced coffee this year as it cools down. And this, I can already tell this is going to hit me strong. Here's what happened. This Sunday, I woke up feeling like shite. Had a headache, kind of like a, you know, not a migraine, not a, I don't want to, insult any of you people that actually have real headaches called migraines but I wasn't feeling so good felt like irritable felt 
drowsy, even though I had a good night's sleep, which is weird. I hadn't been drinking, hadn't drank in a week. So it was like a little miniature hangover. I guess that's what it was. A little unexplained hangover. I'm thinking, what the fuck could have caused this? And I, I ratchet my my throbbing brain for an answer. And I, I, I figured it out. Previous week or two, I had been pounding coffees, uh, soda here and there. It was getting into those monster energy drinks. You know, the white sugar-free ones. You know, because I saw the memes that the kids make today. You know, the Zoomer memes, the Boomer memes. So according to, like, early 20-somethings on the internet, if you're in your 30s, you're a Boomer. So I'm a Boomer. Anyway, the cartoons to make fun of this these kind of characters, they always have them drinking white, sugar-free, monster energy drinks. It's a parody. It's a satire. So I figured I'm going to give myself a taste of the uh, of these white monster energy drinks that are apparently so seductive to 30-something-year-old bro boomers. What, what's the point? So I'm drinking all this caffeine, probably 2,000 milligrams a day, and then I work six days a week because, uh, I don't know. I don't know what demons I'm running from. You know, at a certain point of, if you're working too much, what are you, what are you running from? Why don't you just, why don't you just work less? Um, so I quit drinking coffee ha- midway through Saturday, right? And then what, what is it? Caffeine withdrawal. I googled that shit. Every symptom was exactly what I was going through. And um, this is all a long-winded, boring way of saying that this coffee that I'm drinking right now, I'm breaking the fast. I'm off the wagon. So I felt like shit for Sunday. Which sucks, right? If you work six days a week, you get one weekend day. If your one weekend day is spent hungover and you didn't even have the benefit of getting shit-faced the night before, what are you doing with your life? You're wasting your life. You have no leisure. You have no freedom. And so I wasted that day being caffeine withdrawn. So I said to myself, fuck it. I'm going to get past this addiction. I'm not going to touch caffeine for four days. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Here we are, Thursday. And I'm drinking a, a coffee. So I think my tolerance has gone down a bit. And old Maddie's going to get a little uh, little anxiety attack here with the caffeine in about 20 minutes. What do, you, what do you think the odds are there? Ooh. But it tastes good. And uh, I've been practicing some social media distancing. Trying to stay off the social media. At least I don't post, I don't post shit. I don't go on Twitter anymore. I don't even know. If, you, if you're on Twitter and you follow me, which is what, 600 of you? So of course you're not. Who? You go on there, the last post was what, a year ago? Six months ago? And on Facebook, I don't post shit, but occasionally I do lurk. I go on there, I lurk. I scroll down the news feed, I say to myself, what is the herd mewling about this week? What are they, what are they braying about now? And there's usually one half of the herd braying about this and the other half of the herd braids the opposite and whatever it is they're bragging about is the most important thing in the world and if you disagree you're evil 
Something like that. So I said, do I need this shit in my life? Probably not. I don't need caffeine and social media in my life. Let me caffeine distance. Let me social media distance for my health. And I know all you, all you, all you mask people, all, all of you who, who see a guy in a white coat on TV and believes anything he's, I know you think the way to optimize your health, to strengthen your immune system and, and beat back disease is to stay in your basement and not interact with any humans. I know that's what you're, you know, you're supposed to social distance. That's what they tell you to optimize your health. You got a social distance. Call me a contrarian son of a bitch, but I disagree. I think if you want to be healthy, you got a social media distance, at least for your mental health. God damn, I go on social media. There's always, there's always types. You know, there's the type that just revels in bad news. Anytime there's a flood or a fire or a cat getting shot by a BB gun, I don't know. Pick a random, any kind of bad shit. They gotta, they gotta be the Debbie Downer and put it on your newsfeed. Oh, by the way, halfway around the world, three people just burned to death in a gas fire. So, really, is life that good? When, when this man drowned in his bathtub in Oregon six months ago, just negative news. It's like, who gives a shit? How does knowing about freak accidents and bad things, unfortunate, tragic events. How does that help me? It does not help me. It just, it's rubbernecking. Let me look. Let me look. You got that guy. You got, you got the, um, you got the, I'm going to put my depression on you people, right? Like, talking about how depressed like you're on social media we're all depressed we're on social media yeah <laughs> it's like i want to tell these people oh you're depressed get off social media but if i'm off social media who can i share my happiness with <laughs> if i can't broadcast my happiness does my happiness really exist uh, I had a Facebook friend uh, posit an interesting question. He said, "If you could, uh, if Facebook got rid of ads and algorithms and just said, hey, it's a it's a service fee, monthly fee, no ads, no marketers listening to your conversations, bombarding you with uh, fucking ads and political parties siphoning you into these little echo chambers, said all that, pay a, a fee a month." The point being, you're paying a fee regardless. If you think it's free, it's not free. You're being spied on. You're being manipulated. You're paying for it with your mental health. So how much would you spend? I said, I don't know. To me, I think $5 a month is fair. I'd pay $5 a month. Here's the thing, though. I would not have gotten on board with Facebook in the first place if it were pay, right? I would never... But now that I'm sucked into it, to continue to be on it, I'd pay five dollars a month. Okay, what's a what's a Netflix account? What's a net like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks? I know they always raise the rate on me. I never pay attention. Those fuckers. Um, yeah, I'd probably do five ten bucks. Got a social media distance, and then 
my grandpa died last was it Monday? Um, here's, I'm a 36 year old man. I think if you're over 30 and your grandparent, especially a grandfather, because you know dudes don't live that long, if you're 36 years old and you still got a grandpa, are you really a man? Are you really a man if you have a grandpa still alive, uh, running around? doing grandpa stuff. He had a good life. He was 90 years old and was diagnosed with bowel cancer. Um, Is that a thing or is it colon cancer? One of those cancers in your bowels. He was diagnosed with colon cancer in 1980. Okay, 1980. That's older than me. Yeah, I think he missed my parents' wedding on account of the bowel cancer, getting surgery. Probably snipped off a little of his intestine. Guy goes on to have cancer like 17 more times in the next 40 years. And each time they cut off a little bit of his colon. So get your colonoscopy there, people. Also Black Panther, that's that's what took him out. The colon cancer. It's no joke. So anyway, this guy, eventually they take away all his his, uh, lower intestine. And he's stuck with a colostomy bag. I believe that's what they call it. Which is not a fun thing. You don't want to... You don't want to be lugging around a colostomy bag. Um, as far as life goals, that's that's a one to avoid. But still, you know, it's better than being dead. So, you know, he's got a colostomy bag, hauling that around. And for so he's 90, you know. His, his cancer was 40 years old. He beat it repeatedly. That's like people say, hey. Hey, Jim, you got cancer 17 times and you survived. You're one lucky son of a bitch. It's like, if I was so lucky, would I have cancer 17 times? Fair point. So, so, yeah, you know, and he was born in the perfect year. Born in 1930. You are hitting the jackpot if you're born in 1930. Think about it. If you're born in 1930, what's your childhood? The depression. Perfect time for depression is during your childhood, right? You don't want to be a working man in your 20s, 30s, 40s. You don't want to be like at the end, nearing retirement when a depression hits. That's the worst time for depression. You want to be a kid because whatever you're born into, it's kind of your reality. And it makes you, it makes everything that came after that much more awesome. If your whole reality is you're born in 1930. And as kids, you don't, kids never know they're poor because your kids are just, What's the difference between a rich kid, like if you're five years old, let's say you're five years old in 1935 and you're a Vanderbilt and you're a five-year-old in rural Iowa, poor kid. Really, you want the same things. You just want to play around in the dirt. That's all you want to fucking do. So your childhood is pretty awesome, even in the Great Depression, as far as I know. You know, there could be crazy shit in the background that I'm not aware of. As far as I know, good childhood, right? So you're 10. You're 10 years old. Peak fishing out of watering holes, playing hooky age. 1940, World War II breaks out. Okay? and you, But you're too young. You're too young to have to go serve. You're even too young to fake. You know, a lot of guys are too young, but they would still serve because they're like 14 and they hit puberty early and they got a little mustache and they, you know, that happened. You know, it was before the internet and birth certificates weren't really, you know, it's pretty easy to forge. But you're 10. You ain't no 10-year-old's not going to get into the 
the war. So he's skating by. So between the ages of 10 and 15, he's running around during World War II. All the men are overseas, leaving all these ladies to discipline. They're running around. It's, it's freedom. These kids are running around. They got nobody to, to tell them what. Right? So then what happens? They enter the workforce around 18. He didn't go to college. Because at that time, you could make pretty good bank. Okay, what would that be? 1948, he's 18. So this is the post-World War II boom. From the next, like, I don't know, 15 years, America goes on this unprecedented industrial boom. Right? That's what fueled the baby boomers and, and suburbia and and all that shit. And he enters it just at the ripe age of 18. From 48, then you get into the 60s. So by the time the 60s, late 60s come around, you're in your late 30s. So so he was, he and my grandma were Democrats. I wonder if they were liberal. I mean, they were liberal-ish. But, you know, he was working in a meatpacking plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And at that time, you know, it probably paid the same in 1961 as it does now. <laughs> at a time when you could buy a house for under 10 grand in that area. So shit. You could you could actually own your house with like a $20 mortgage with a factory job and your wife didn't even have to work full time. Crushing it this time in history. So too young to serve World War II, too old to do Korea, I believe. And then Vietnam comes around, you're certainly too old. And you're not getting drafted and and um, and yet your kids are too young to be in Vietnam. <clears throat> Flash forward to the eighties, right? 80s, you're retiring pretty much in the 90s. It's perfect time to retire, right? 90s? Boom. And then you check out in 2020. <laughs> he crushed it. Born in 1930, checked out in 2020. If you were in disembodied spirit, like in heaven or heck, I don't know, whatever you call it, and you're waiting to come down in a body, and they're like, right, what, what, it's like a menu. What lifespan, what time period in history would you like? I don't think you could do uh, you could do a lot worse than 1930 to 2020 in terms of advancements that you witness what was my point with the uh, the Democrat oh yeah I don't he he hated hippies and how could you not hate hippies if you're in your late 30s early 40s when the hippies come about you and you're working a blue-collar job it's like in your DNA you couldn't like it you, you could they were the most card-carrying Democrats their kids would give them shit it's how you'd vote for Hitler if he was a Democrat. You'd vote for you'd vote for a pedophilic rapist if he was a Democrat, which is true now in 2020. Boy, that turned out to be prophetic. Hated hippies, voted Democrat, straight ticket, entire life. Back when the Democratic Party could at least pretend to be for the working man, you know, with the unions and all that shit. Now they just give it lip service, but. You gotta be, be pretty fucking stupid to believe it now. So, R.I.P. Rest in peace, Grandpa Jim. And now I get to steal one of uh, his insults, one of the, the greatest insults ever. One of his go-to insults. 
was, you goddamn dummies. Look at these goddamn dummies. <laughs> it's very poetic. You got the God, you got the D, D, and the, at the end of God, you got the damn. And then you got the right into the M, dumb. You got the DM. Oh, it's, it's alliteration. It's got a good rhythm. You goddamn dummies. So I'm going to adopt that now. So you're going to hear a lot of goddamn dummies. If masks can't protect against smoke inhalation and tear gas, do you think that could protect you against viruses? Do you think that? You goddamn dummies. See? See? It works. Oh, what else? What else? You know what I should do? I should read... uh, I'm going to read a, a story out of a story from the San Francisco Bay Guardian. Boy, this is a weird segue. What are you talking about, Matt? You're talking about your dead grandpa. Now you're segueing and you're going to read a story out of the San Francisco Bay Guardian. Well, this story features my grandpa. What? What the hell would your meat pack? planning, failed professional baseball playing, trash collecting grandpa, why would he be in a story in the San Francisco Bay Guardian? Well, let me explain. Let me back up. Are you still with me? Are you still paying attention? Because we've got to back it up a little bit. Beep, 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 beep. So this guy who graduated from my high school, a little town in rural Iowa called Rock Rapids, 2,500, tiny town, county seat of a, of a rural county in Iowa. Uh, this gentleman's name was Bruce Brugman. Bruce Brugman played basketball. He was a star at Central Lion and went on to play uh, basketball at University of Nebraska, I believe. And then he went on to get his, his master's in journalism from Columbia. Big, big smarty pants, this Bruce Brugman. So Bruce Brugman gets his journalism shit, starts writing for a Kansas City newspaper. This is in the 50s and uh, I suppose 60s. Well, in the late 60s, old Bruce Brugman from Rock Rapids, Iowa, decides he's going to move over to San Francisco where all these hippies and their flowers in their hair, they're all moving to. He says, I'm going to start my own newspaper and tell the truth, unlike these stupid mainstream newspaper. And I'm going to call it the San Francisco Bay Guardian. And so the San Francisco Bay Guardian was a legendary alt-weekly based in San Francisco starting in the late 60s. And I, I think it's defunct now. It might still be around. At any rate, Bruce Brugman, the publisher and founder of this of this rag in San Francisco, he had a little blog. And about 10 years, 10, 15 years ago, he was still writing a blog for the San Francisco Bay Guardian. One of his blog entries, common theme was his reminiscences of living and growing up in a little town called Rock Rapids, Iowa in the 1940s, all right? And one of these blog entries was regarding a 4th of July, 4th of July celebration in old Rock Rapids, which is a neighboring town to where my grandfather and his brothers grew up, okay? Are you still with me? So in other words, this guy starts a paper and he's writing... That's how my grandpa entered in this story. So I'm going to read this story by Bruce Brugman to you. If you will be so kind as to humor me. 
I'm going to skip forward to it. All right. This is Bruce Brugman. For a couple of years, when Rock Rapids had a town team and a couple of imported left-handed pitchers named Pee Wee Wegner and Carl Kletschke, we would have some rousing baseball games with the best semi-pro team around. Larchwood and its gang of Snyder's brothers. Barney, the eldest at shortstop. Jimmy, the youngest at third base. That's my grandfather, by the way. John in center field. Paul in left field. Another Snyder's behind the plate and a couple on the bench. They were as tough as they came in Iowa baseball. I can remember it as if it were yesterday at Candlestick, the 1948 game with the Snyders of Larchwood. Pee Wee Wagner, a gawky 17-year-old kid right off a high school team, was pitching for Rock Rapids and holding down the Snyders' artillery in splendid fashion. Inning after inning he went on, nursing a small lead, mastering one tough Larchwood batter after another with a blistering fastball and a curb that sliced wickedly into the bat handles of the right-handed Larchwood lineup. Then the KG Barney Snyders laid a slow bunt down the third baseline. Wagner stumbled, lurched, almost fell again, getting to the ball, then toppled off, balanced once more, stood helplessly holding the ball. He couldn't make the throw to first. Barney was safe. He was cocky and firing insults like machine gun bullets at Pee Wee from first base. Pee Wee, visibly shaken, went back to the mound. He pitched. The next Larchwood batter bunted, this time down the first baseline. Pee Wee lurched for the ball but couldn't come up with it. A couple more bunts, a shot through the pitcher's mound, more bunts, and Pee Wee was out. He was cut. He could pitch, but alas, he was too clumsy to field. In came Bill Jammer, a farmer now in his late 30s, but in his day, the pitcher who beat the University of Iowa while playing for a small college called Simpson. Now he was pitching on guts and beer, a combination good enough for many teams, and on good days, even good enough to take on the Snyders. Jammer did well for a couple of innings, then he let two men on base, then came a close call at the plate. Jammer got mad. Both teams were off the bench and onto the field, and, as Fred Roach wrote in the Lion Counter Reporter, fisticuffs erupted at home plate. When the dust cleared, Jammer had a broken jaw, and for the next two weeks had to drink his soup through a straw at the Joy Lunch Cafe. John Snyders, it was later said, came all the way in from center field to throw the punch, but nobody knew for sure, and he stayed in the game. I can't remember the score or who won the game, but I remember I remember it as the best 4th of July ever. At dusk, the people moved out of their porches or put up folding chairs on their lawns. Those who didn't have a good view drove out to the new addition or parked out near Mark Curtis's place or along the river roads that snaked out to the Five Mile Bridge and Virgil Hashey's farm. A hush came over the town. Fireflies started flickering in the river bottom. Along about 8.30, the first puff of smoke rose above the fairgrounds and an aerial bomb whistled into the heavens. Boom! And the town shook as if hit by a clap of thunder. Then the three-tiered sky bombs, pink, yellow, white, puff, 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 the Niagara Falls and a gush of white sparks. Then, in sudden fury, a dazzling display of sizzling comets and aerial bombs and star clusters that arched high, hung for a full breath, and descended in a cascade of sparks that floated harmlessly over the meadows and cornfields. At the end, the flag, red, white, and blue, would burst forth on the ground as the all-American finale in the darkest of dark summer nights. 
On cue, the cheers rolled out from the grandstand, and the cars honked from the high ground, and the people trundled up their lawn chairs, and everybody headed for home. Isn't that nice? Huh? It's not every day your grandfather gets written about in the San Francisco Bay Garden, so shout out to Bruce Brugman for, uh, for, for writing it, remembering it, and for uh, founding that paper in the first place. And also shout out to Bruce Brugman for successfully suing my former bosses at Village Voice Media. Oh yes, I used to write for the Village Voice of Minneapolis called City Pages. This was owned by a a chain of alt-weeklies. Village Voice in New York was their flagship. And they um, were sued by Bruce Brugman because they set up a paper in San Francisco and had predatory advertising prices. Basically, they uh, ran their San Francisco paper at a loss and subsidized it with profits from other papers, like the paper I wrote for, so they couldn't give guys like me raises because the money we generated at our paper had to go to San Francisco to try to put this guy out of work. So old Bruce Brugman sued Village Voice Media for, I believe, $7 million. One Village Voice has broken up. They're trying to avoid paying that settlement. Um, any rate, I don't know if any of this made sense. I just tried to tie together like five strings. My grandfather, hometown, journalism, former employee, worlds collide. Worlds collide here at the Hey OK Ha happy hour. And thanks for humoring me, listening to, listening to that little bit of... Uh, nostalgia so yeah he was the youngest the other guys you heard mentioned John Paul Barney Nick he didn't mention Nick Nick and Barney were the only two guys I really know the other guys died they were older they died before uh, I, I could really know them. but they would be my what great uncle what are your grandfather's brothers to you that's your great I don't fucking know what the label is at any rate I'm gonna cut it short this has been the Hey, Okay, Ha, Happy Hour. Uh, thanks for checking in on me. I will be talking to you next week, roughly the same time, roughly the same place. It's up to you. You can listen to this wherever you are. You can listen to it at work, while you're pretending to work, while you're working out, while you're pretending to work out. Um, but yeah, if you don't mind, I don't ask for much. Right? You don't hear me begging for money. Go to my Patreon account and give me money. Do you hear me do that? No. Just asking for a rating. Just give, give, throw a fucking rating. It takes your thumb to go like beep boop and you hit the little five star rating or the four star. If you want to be a dick, give me a one star. But why would you do that? Why? Just, just to be a dick? That's your right though. As long as it's honest. All right, guys. See you next week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Wait, fuck that. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Is that what it is? Sure. Bye-bye.